What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you in on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Heard the Salt Dogs a little bit earlier. We'll dive into the Big Red Blitz. Some incredible news and notes coming out of the Big Red Tour across the state. Arizona State is in a world of hurt, potentially uh, update on what's going on with the NCAA. They are knocking on that door in Tempe, and a really incredible honor for Spencer Schwellenbach to get into. Mike Babcock with us from Hale Varsity in about 20 minutes. We'll uh, hear from Shuey, U.S. Open time, so we'll talk to Mike Shuhart from Wilderness Ridge in 30 minutes. And uh, an extended segment, uh, some reaction to Tom Osborne's comments yesterday and a guy who experienced it and won some titles along the way and uh, some insight on, you know, what he thinks of Nebraska's secondary, specifically Nebraska's new addition, uh, Eric Warfield, former chief, going to be with us in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, numbers to dial up, 46637. 766-4663-776-800-825-5865. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com and give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. It's where you find him. What's good today? You got your soccer gear rocking. You kept one eye on baseball, one eye on uh, on the pitch it looks like. Yeah, it's the, it's the Euros, which it's really fun this year because it's the 2020 Euros, even though we're in the year 2021 because they had to delay the whole tournament from last year. And it's just uh, – it's like World Cup light, and I, I love the World Cup. I think it's really awesome, all the, the national teams getting together and all these people are – rather than supporting just a, a team that they like, they're supporting their, their country, and uh, all the players like to put their countries on their backs, you know, and, uh, and putting good performances. Uh, so it makes a lot of fun, and uh, I've really been enjoying the Euros, and – uh, it, it gives me a little, little something to do in the summertime after my Nuggets and my Avalanche have been knocked out. Yeah, it's it's not good. We will have uh, exclusive audio from our friends at Barstool uh, regarding the uh, the. Uh, <laughs> he's not a fighter. The but sons and four guys. The sons and four guy. Right. <laughs> uh, he did an interview and laid out everything that happened. <laughs> Those Nuggets fans, man. Uh, not all, but some. Bad idea to mess with uh, Suns fan from Denver. So let's dive in. And the topic was kind of all over with Nebraska football from Coach Fisher, touching on just what his room is going to be like in the secondary. I think Nebraska football fans very confident about Nebraska's secondary. Coach Chenander. Uh, fired up about his defense. Chins was rocking the uh, Charlie McBride black shell black shirt uh, belt buckle today, and then Scott Frost also 
in, in a great mood, able to interact. And, and the gatherings across the state were were, were pretty intimate. That's, that's really cool for Nebraska fans to get up close and personal. Amy Williams talking about her squad, of course, and really the awesome job she did with, uh, with fighting through COVID and her basketball team. Coach Hoiberg's on the road, a number of Nebraska assistants. And, uh, and then you get to some of the, uh, the, the position group coaches, specifically Mario Verdusco. Quarterbacks really always on our mind because Nebraska's had a rich history of, of difference makers at quarterback. And you had uh, Mario Verdusco and, again, Derek Peterson and Greg Smith covering the Big Red Blitz today for Hale Varsity. Uh, you had Scott Frost and, and Mario Verdusco uh, spend some time talking about Logan Smothers. And when we think about the quarterback, obviously Adrian Martinez on everyone's radar. What's his season going to be like year four as a starter? But what's behind him, right? Uh, you have uh, one former starter that's now at Rice. You have another guy uh, that was really talented, uh, is going to be probably winning that job again at, uh, at Rutgers. Uh, and, and what do you have behind Adrian Martinez? You have Heinrich Harburg, the standout from Carney, and you got a guy in the program in Logan Smothers that it seems like things are, are, are clicking better with him. Uh, you had Mario Verdusco talking about Logan Smothers earlier today. Uh, he has rare innate vision. He sees a wider picture. He's a quick blinker. He has got the, the mental part of this thing down. And when it comes to Logan's struggles, it was his passing motion. And uh, after uh, 15 weeks of drill work, in the spring, it should be resolved. The problem with Logan, per Mario, was his release point. And that ain't good. But as Mario put it, look, you have COVID, you come in cold, you got to work through it, and you got to kind of wean out that inconsistency. So technically, he'll be a redshirt freshman heading to camp. And Nebraska is really, really comfortable just where they're at with their quarterback room. That's a main reason they didn't go to the portal for a you know, breaking case of emergency quarterback. And listen, Nebraska's going to work, going to develop, going to drill, and they're going to get a guy like Logan Smothers developed. They're going to work, they're going to drill, and they need to get a guy like Harburg some experience. And that's wonderful. Uh, the thing that kind of stood out to me, was with 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 uh, Adrian Martinez and Mario Verdusco talking about what Adrian needs to do and a little bit of last year. We've spent some time this week on the benching. It, it came up, right? Well, uh, Mario reiterated, <laughs> got to take care of the football. Uh, again, the numbers to know, 18.9% of Nebraska's drives last year ended in a turnover offensively. That is almost one in five. That's right there. When you look at nine fumbles and uh, interceptions, you had six from uh, McCaffrey. You had three from Adrian. (laughs) My God. And you look at all those one-score games you lost, Minnesota, Northwestern, Iowa. I mean, 20%. that's, that's, That's a 
That's a killer for you. So when it comes to Adrian and what Mario said, uh, the the thing is, limit turnovers. Uh, this is three years and minus two games that you were benched. You got to make sure you're giving Nebraska a chance to win the game. Don't do anything to endanger that. Sounds so simple, but Adrian's a guy that, bless his heart, he wanted to go make a play, and it wasn't for glory. He was trying to make a play for his team to win. He wants to win so bad. And Adrian kind of reiterated, that look, quarterback's just one cog in the wheel of success or failure. You can screw it up. Obviously, the offense, with their turnover issues, put the defense in some bad spots last year, but also failed to get any points. Or when you did turn it over, it was prime real estate for the other team, extremely short field. So uh, the understanding moving forward, give your team a chance to win and try not to do too much. Uh, Let your teammates go make plays. And specifically, if you love your teammates, take care of the football, man, because you're hurting them on the offensive side and defensive side. Now, this isn't Adrian being uh, completely reckless, in my opinion. Yeah, there were some bad throws. Yeah, there were some fumbles against Rutgers when you're wearing sleeves and you're not a sleeve-wearing team in cold weather, allegedly. But there were some times that Adrian wasn't his fault where he's back to pass and someone breaks through the line against a senior captain and here comes a strip sack, right? I mean, the end of the Iowa game, perfect example, and that's not the first time that's happened where Nebraska drops back, happened against Rutgers. Nebraska drops back to throw and... Someone uh, busts through the line and smokes your quarterback. So turnover struggles, fumbles, interceptions, and specifically the interception. The interception against, uh, against Northwestern. You're driving third quarter. You're up, right? You go into halftime scoring uh, 13 unanswered, right? You're up 13-7 to seven after half. Nebraska's got the ball. They're driving. Let's throw a jump ball to Austin Allen. Underthrown interception. There goes your starting gig. Well, and just when you're talking about 20% of your possessions ending in turnovers, that's bad. But, I mean, Scott Frost at UCF, if that's happening, it's okay because on your other four possessions, you're putting up 24 points, maybe 28 points. But in the Big Ten, I mean, you can get – You're not doing it. You can get two or three possessions in a quarter. I mean, some of these other fast-paced conferences, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the AAC, you can get five or six possessions in a quarter. That can happen. Um, but in the Big Ten, you're going to be against teams that like to have possession of the ball, teams that like to run the ball. I'm talking Northwestern, I'm talking Iowa, and Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, and you're against those teams. You're lucky if you get a third possession in a quarter. So if you're turning the ball over one out of every five possessions, and say you're punting it the other three, that means you're getting one scoring possession a quarter, or sorry, a half. If you're talking maybe five possessions and a half total, that's just, that's unacceptable. It can work other places, but this is part of what Scott Frost's learning adjustment to the Big Ten's got to be, is these turnovers, they matter more in the Big Ten than they do in the other conferences, just because of the style of play of the Big Ten. Well, and flip it around. I mean, it's been, in some of the games, Nebraska's looked good and, and won. They haven't won a lot of them with ease, but you've had the defense go get you the football. You think about Purdue and how things looked good for quite a while against Penn State, you're getting turnovers. I mean, Penn State, 
was awful, and a lot of that was because of Nebraska's doing, taking care of the football, right? I mean, the, the secondary was phenomenal. Deontay Williams said, that's my bike, punk. Took the football, the strip sack, and touchdown, right? He had a defensive score in that game. But uh, the, the third quarter interception against Northwestern, that played the role in Adrian's benching, and it was a pretty detailed answer that Super Mario gave uh, on on why Adrian lost his job. And he said, look, and this is from Sam McEwen here, we sat down, Frosty and I, with Adrian. We talked another half hour, and I outlined the points that were critical that led to the decision. And it wasn't based on I think or I believe any sort of that stuff. It was just the objective numbers in regards to doing X, Y, and Z. And we're like, finally, dude, you can't do that. The interception in the Northwestern game, that one, and it completely frustrated Frost. It frustrated Verdusco. It hurt Verdusco. And it really, really hurt Adrian. It was hard on Mario, and it was also hard on Adrian. I mean, think about about that as a quarterback. I mean, that's, that's, that's the breaks. That's part of playing ball. You're going to sit. You're going to start. You're going to lose your spot in some instances. You're going to have to go fight and get it back. That's the, the, the silver lining, right, for, for going into this year. There's really nothing Adrian hasn't seen or experienced on a football field now. But that's you can't be loose with the football. And I know it's been hammered and this horse is dead. We're on a second or third horse that's dead beating the turnover drum here. But Nebraska is probably a, a three to five a plus three to five win number over this 500 number. They're, they're, they're not below 500 in the Big Ten. They're not 12 and 20 and in, in going into year four if they just take care of the football. Some of those one-score games are going to flip and you're going to win because you have an extra possession, assuming you would have punched it in in the red zone, right? That You, you can't just say, oh, Nebraska, because their red zone's not been great either. But at least give yourself a shot. And you've, you've given yourself a, a shot in a lot of close games, mainly with Iowa, mainly with Northwestern, <laughs> okay? And, and even going back to some of those Colorado games, you've had back-breaking turnovers. So the, that's just it. And can you just go play free and, and make the adjustment? I think you can. And the other side of it, too, Elijah, is there'll be more, ho- more help similar to 2018, in my humble opinion, around him on offense. He'll have the best supporting cast off cast offensively with skill guys and they gotta find a couple of backs, but I think they can do that. Frost did say steps should be good to go post foot injury for fall camp. There are dudes there. There's talent there. Let the guys around you make some things happen. And I know Pro football is different, but a little bit of a case in point here is just look at what happened to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers whenever they cut Jameis and went for a quarterback that took care of the ball a little better. I know Tom Brady's one of the best to ever do it, and pro football is a bit of a different animal. But, I mean, the pieces around Tom Brady on that Tampa Bay team didn't change all that much. They added a couple pieces here and there. Um, but generally, that was pretty much the same team that was playing around Jameis Winston. I'd say about 80, oh, it, it, 80 it was, to 85% of the starting it, it, lineup it, it, was the it, same. Absolutely it was. The difference is there weren't 30 interceptions being handed out. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, whatever you do that, now you're not you're God, taking you're taking your defense hits. off the field. Like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had to win in these high scoring slugfests under Jameis Winston because they were expecting that the other team was probably going to get an extra three or four possessions. Ten to thirteen a game. points a game off turnover.
turnovers. Exactly. So you get a quarterback in. I mean, it's Tom Brady in the twilight of his career. But what did he do? He took care of the ball. And as the season went on, he, he started to look... against Green Bay, but I guess like himself. But it's just how important taking care of the ball is. They, they were beating the teams that they were supposed to pretty handily just because they didn't give those other teams other possessions uh, to work with. Simple enough. Isn't it so simple? Isn't football just a simple ball game? <laughs> you block, you tackle. Yeah, you don't fumble. You, you 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 get five yards on first down, running the football. You hit the tight end in the flat. Little play action. Someone's wide open. There's four guys around the ball carrier defensively. It's third and eight. You got somebody off the edge and go sack the quarterback. Simple game, right? Yeah. Well, pretty interesting stuff. We'll dive into. Some football thoughts and uh, some baseball with Mike Babcock. Babbers from Hale Varsity on the way. Eric Warfield, standout Husker, national champ coming up next hour. It's Hale Varsity on a Wednesday presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbo. We say hi to historian, author, Hall of Famer, Hail Bar City Magazine, HailVarsity.com. Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, you didn't mow your yard today, did you? I mowed my yard the, the two previous days. Okay, so you got in before it hit triple digits. Yes. I was going to say, if you work to mow your yard, and it's beautiful, uh, do you have a Grateful Dead tank top? Um, no, I don't. I don't have any tank tops. That's uh, I'm too old for that. You do what you want, Babbers. <laughs> yeah, and my yard looks good only because the weeds look good when they're trimmed. <laughs> You're too too hard on yourself, man. I, I, <laughs> your yard's gorgeous. Drive by it twice a day on a wave. Uh, lot to get into. I want to I want to ask you something though as as long as you've covered college football and you've seen and heard a ton of the scandals we go back to SMU and uh the the Hartley Dykes era that put four teams on NCAA probation uh in 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 late 88. Uh I turn my attention what is going to be the fallout here with Arizona State and the alleged illegal visits that have been documented. I mean, there's a dossier of photographs that the NCAA has of illegal visits during COVID with coaches. Uh, I'm still waiting on punishment by the NCAA for FBI wiretaps for basketball. But do you think the NCAA will wind up and slap ASU something fierce if they're found guilty of what's alleged? Well, just looking at the story that you you sent me the link, and it you know it looks like it's a pretty serious matter. Obviously, um, yeah, you would think. If, again, you have to prove it. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like there's a lot of evidence there, um, but if proven uh, that these these allegations are are proven, um, yeah, you would think that the NCAA has to come down pretty seriously on a, on ASU, but. You know, you mentioned that FBI thing. That you know, that's taken a while to get anything accomplished there. And you wonder, you know, why is it moving so slowly? Um, is it is it out of concern of, of fairness to the institutions, or you know, are there other reasons for it? Um, I, I just, you know, I question so much of what the NCA does here of late. And uh, but uh, boy, ASU, there's some. There's some serious allegations there with 
a significant amount of evidence that uh, it probably took place. I would think that you would have to say, "Hey, we've got to we've got to set an example. We can't mm-hmm. have this happening." Well, and in the name of COVID safety, you're blatantly just bringing people in and to have a 10 p.m. meeting in the stairwell. I mean, it, it it's pretty cloak and dagger. And, and I mean, I, I've always liked Term Edwards. I mean, he's kind of the CEO of that program, but it doesn't sound like many people in the ASU Stafford apartment like a couple of guys that have risen the ladder, climbed the ladder, so to speak, to be in power. And you've got, they don't know who, <laughs> there's so many folks who don't like a couple of of Herm's assistants that are are leading the charge in the name of recruiting that they can't figure out who who didn't turn in some of these guys. I mean, it's really a a divided situation in that uh, coaching office. Boy, you don't want that in any way, shape, or form. But, yeah, you're right through the pandemic. That just magnifies everything because the health and safety of people is involved in it as well. Mike, get a switch gears, big red blitz going on, and you've got Coach Shenander that's super excited about his defense. Coach uh, Mario spending a little bit of time on on the, on the quarterbacks with where, where Smothers is, is going and what Harburg's got in front of him. And then, you know, uh, the topic of Adrian, uh, specifically a little more in-depth with, with his benching. And, uh, you know, when I saw the quote about, you know, that, that shouldn't have happened, uh, I was like, well, what shouldn't have happened? Should Adrian have not been benched after the interception against Northwestern? Or, no, he shouldn't have thrown the football and got it picked. Adrian, uh, Mario clarified that uh, in the article a little further. No, you, you mean you can't turn the football over. Babbers, is it, is it something you're confident in here this fall where Nebraska can, can be better at taking care of the football? I know it's... It's it's an opinion right now until we see proof, but you can absolutely be better as a team, right? Taking care of the football. There's bad luck. There's no luck, and then there's then there's fumbles, right? Fumbles and interceptions. Twenty percent of the drives ending in a turnover per the uh, uh, per the Athlon uh, College Football Preview. Yeah, you can't have it. You know, the question is okay, so. You're going to focus on that. You're going to focus on not doing it. But um, it, sometimes I think there's a fine line between, so you focus on not doing it, you're thinking more about not doing it, and it leads to doing it more. I mean, it, <laughs> it, you know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. it becomes a mindset or whatever. But I, I think you ha- it has to be a focus. Obviously, you have to work on it. You have to con- it's Fundamentals, I guess, it fits into that category. But that's the that's the area that uh, Nebraska has not been effective, and because it hasn't been, that's where the lack of the success that you want is is has comes from. Is you've got to take care of the football first and foremost, because you've got a quarterback certainly that has the talent and Adrian Martinez uh, to do the things that you want, but uh, he has to cut out those mistakes, and it's not like. You know, they're talking about two or three significant mistakes can undo a lot of good that that uh, that he can do. So, um, yeah, that's that's really important. It's got to be a focus, um, but it can't get in your head to the point where you're it's just making it worse. Talking with Mike Babcock here on Hale Varsity Radio, and Mike, there's an 
old thought among football fans. Um, it, it's kind of gone by the wayside now, but it used to be that a, a certain number of interceptions from a quarterback was acceptable because it meant that they were throwing some uh, some dangerous passes and that was necessary. And obviously that, that mindset has kind of flipped. But w- with this Scott Frost offense, it, it's so much about taking what the defense gives you. So are, are you okay with Adrian throwing a couple interceptions just because he's trying to make something happen, trying to make a play happen? Or, or would you rather him just keep those interceptions and fumbles to zero? Well, I, want, I think you want to be as efficient as you can possibly be. So, I, you know, I don't know that you want to get into a mindset that, well, it's okay, you know, to throw an interception um, in that situation. Um, and, and I know that a lot of the mistakes that Adrian has made, I think, are, are uh, because he's trying to make a play. He's trying to do something. You know, he's trying to get something going. And it, a lot of times it's not necessarily all on him, but, you know, fumbles. Um, you got to take better care of the ball. Interception. You got to make better decisions. Um, you got to get receivers. that got to get themselves open. Uh, you got to know where they are. But uh, um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to just say yeah, it's okay. You know, let's we're going to expect some. Um, you want to be. You want to go in with the expectation of being perfect, and then you know some things are going to happen that are that isn't going to be perfect. But but you strive for per- perfection. I think. Babber's going to switch gears, talk a little baseball. Uh, Spencer Schwellenbach, uh, All-American team, that's phenomenal. Also named the John Olerud Two-Way Player of the Year. What's that mean to you? Well, I think, you know, well-deserved uh, for, for Schwellenbach. Uh, I was kind of hoping maybe he'd get higher than third team on the All-American mm-hmm. team. But, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed in looking through those All-America teams and some of those awards and so forth um, Big Ten doesn't get a lot of respect, you know. Again, goes back to what we've talked about before, um, but uh, you know that certainly is a that certainly is a well-deserved honor, I think. And it, you know, in, a, in some ways, it didn't surprise me that he got the recognition. Like I said, I thought maybe he'd get higher than third team, but um, there were some pretty talented guys, uh, given their numbers, um, that were in there as well, and they named him as a utility player. And I think that's probably where he needs to be, but. And the John Overroot Award, you know, that two-way player of the year, that's, that says a lot about what he accomplished this season. I remember Olerud's flirtation with 400. I think it was the 89 or 90 season, and he was a staple on first for years with Toronto. But he had such an insane career at Washington State, kind of that folklore of like a Robin Ventura-type college baseball stud. And, and he did it for a long time with MLB. Uh, that's, that's a big-time award. Babbers, are you adopting a team for Omaha uh, this week when it gets uh, when first pitch happens on Saturday? Um, you know, I don't think I'll have one adopted by the time of the first pitch. Usually I go into these things. If I don't really have somebody that I'm, that I'm focused on, I, I look for the underdogs and, and try to pull for the, pull for the underdogs. So um, there's a lot of uh, ACC, SEC uh, influence here. Um, There's no underdog to cheer yeah, for. <laughs> I know. Someone's either won it or been there a hundred times. That's, that's why I'm uh, kind of ha- going to have to wait and see how things go here and just see who the uh, who comes out of the losers bracket, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe who goes down the first first day and then who comes back through it. That's that's what I like to see. But I, I want to see com- competitive uh, uh, college World Series certainly and and. Uh, I think we're going to see it. I think there's a. I think it's a pretty good field. 
Now, Mike, obviously there's like fans that travel from all across the country to come see the College World Series, but do you have a, a read on which teams maybe the, the, the local fans might be rooting for? I, I don't think it's going to be Texas. Um, I, I could maybe see NC State after what they did to Arkansas, but do you see any other teams in the field that you think uh, have had support from uh, local fans in the past and will, will probably receive that same support again? Yeah, no, you know, I don't, Elijah. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Texas because that's one team I'm not for. Um, I can eliminate that team right away. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it, are, did, did the fans take the Vanderbilt? I, possibly. I think they liked Vandy. I mean, Tennessee with the Eckler tie. We're still mm-hmm. working on finding out if, if Eck's going to be here or not. But, I mean, he's he's been all in on baseball on social media. I mean, obviously his football uh, tw- Twitter's been great, but his his baseball Twitter's been nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a, there, there's a reason. I mean, you look for reasons like that. But, I, you know, I think the fans in general are pretty good about most of the teams there. So I think they, I think it's pretty supportive of the, of the experience um, as much as anything. But, uh, like I said, no, Texas probably wouldn't be the one team that I would be uh, rooting for. We're, we're roadying up Monday and Wednesday next week at, at Zipline. We're live. Oh, there you go. Thursday, isn't it Monday and Thursday? What did I send out? I don't know. It's a blur. Point is, is Babbers, you can ride with us, brother, if you want. Well, I've got stuff going next week. Otherwise, I would. No worries. We'll got uh, some bushes we'll, being removed and some other stuff. Hopefully, we'll we'll wave at you. <laughs> <laughs> Do that. That's good. Mike Babcock's with us from uh, HailVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, thanks for talking some ball with us. Good to get caught up. Thanks for having me involved, guys. All right, appreciate you. Good stuff from Mike. What did I send out? I know Monday. I think you said Monday and Thursday. Okay. That, that's what Will and I are talking about, at least. Okay, so, so <laughs> we'll reel it in. We'll reassess. We'll talk U.S. Open. Shuey's on the way from Wilderness Ridge. Mike Shuard next on Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome. To clarify, yes, we are at Zipline next Monday, next Thursday. Elijah was on it. Roadshow Monday and Thursday. Ahead of the College World Series, you'll you'll hear parts of the College World Series on ESPN Lincoln and some of our affiliates around the state. Looking forward to seeing Doug Duda from ESPN Superstation Tri-Cities. He'll be at the uh, CWS, and then we'll be there uh, to start off the 28th at Zipline Monday for that best of three championship series. And I think I might be going up Saturday, too, to see if I can catch the opening day. That's always a pretty good time. So. Yeah, that'll be good stuff. I will be watching Junior uh, crush the baseball. Uh, someday he'll learn how to crush the golf ball because he'll spend time with Mike Shewart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, uh, have you melted yet? How are you? Yeah. I'm good. How are you? We're good, man. You, you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask the, the obvious. Uh, you staying cool, brother? Yeah, right. As long as you're inside, you don't want to go outside. But <laughs> that's code. That's code for Schmidt to be at the bar uh, right. <laughs> instead of uh, out on the course. But tell me what's up, man. How have things been going at Wilderness? Uh, talk to me about fit times. We'll get into some U.S. Open. I need my divot dogs update as well. Oh, Divot Dogs. First match tomorrow at Firethorn, 8 a.m. Boom. My parents, yes, I got my pairings out. Had practice today. They're looking good. They're ready to go. So we're excited for our first Divot Dog competition of the 
of the season. Give me the. Do you mind sharing the pairings? Oh, I got uh, little uh, Miles Elgert and Dylan Blanks. Bang. They're my leadoff group. They're good. Yeah, they're good. I had to put them out there first thing, so gotta get gotta get some points right on the board. And then uh, I got Big Ben, Big Ben Kopmeyer. Okay. He, and I put a sneaky pairing with him. I put uh, Juliet Shoemaker with him. Wonderful. So, yeah. She's been working hard, and uh, she's actually gotten tons better. So she's going to surprise a lot of people. So it's like, whoa. And then I got my, my reliever, Leo Hong. He's super good. So he's bringing up the third spot. Put him with Big Jack Beatty. So Leo's about five one and Jack six four. So we'll at least intimidate the other team. That's good, man. Those pairings are, are are awesome. You know, Mike, and you're talking about the intimidation factor here. Have you have you been teaching these kids any trash talk? How to talk some smack for for day one? Or are you just expecting that they're going to find that let, as they go? You let the driver talk the smack and the putter, right? <laughs> Well, Schmitty knows Miles, so Miles ain't afraid to talk some schmack, that's for sure. So. <laughs> Miles backs it up, though. It's money. <laughs> that's, that is right. He does back it up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into the U.S. Open, Shuey. And, man, uh, you got uh, South Course, Torrey Pines. What, what, are the, what are the fellas in for this weekend? Big, long, nasty golf course. Uh, kind of cool conditions. It'll be perfect conditions. So, man, you gotta you gotta drive it straight, just like any U.S. Open, though. Man, it's long, tight fairways, long rough. So it's like you gotta be able to keep your ball somewhat in play, and, and uh, you gotta be able to get it up and down when you miss, because you are gonna miss, mm. and you gotta be composed and you know just roll with some of the mistakes that are going to happen because they're going to happen whether you like it or not the unique thing about Tory, which is a little different because of the greens the greens are a different type of grass they're they're poana okay and they don't putt you don't typically putt on poana you know they play there once a year but you don't you know you come to the midwest and you're on bent grass greens and poana is a lot different grass and especially as the day goes so poana poa trivialis i mean they they get pretty bumpy and lumpy so it's like guys that are really really good strokers of the golf ball that they actually roll the ball really well um over the years that have done well there like a patrick reed he's one of the best putters out there um he's he's had a lot of success there so i mean some guys that don't roll the ball very well, it's not very conducive to them. So you can see some guys struggle trying to make putts, you know, like a Rory. Um, you know, you got a couple other guys, Bryson. So it's like you know, they're just not going to be able to typically roll the ball as well as they do uh, in a more Midwestern or a bent grass type of thing. So that's one of the unique things about it, just what surface you're putting on, which is – quite a bit different than what you typically are used to putting on. Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf, uh, Hale Varsity Radio. We're talking U.S. Open. Are you um, surprised that they're not pairing Brooks and, and Bryson together? <laughs> you have a fist fight right there about well, three I mean, holes in. <laughs> you know, 
it, it worked out for for uh, for Bob and, and Happy. I mean, it brought yeah. viewership. I'm I'm, I'm right. joking, but those guys both may not like each other, but they, I think they could coexist. I mean, the the center of attention would be on that group for sure. Oh, the attention would definitely be there, but that wouldn't bother them guys because once the tournament starts, they're in their own world doing their own thing, you know, and then they can they set that aside and they go play golf because they're trying to win a major championship. So uh, they're too good at that. They know how to narrow their focus and doing what it is they need to do at the time they need to do it. So we got about two minutes left here before we get out. Uh, I want to ask you about some other golf news I saw today, and that's that the PGA Tour is most likely going to ban the, the green reading books after the uh, the Tour's Player Advisory Council voted to outlaw the books at their meeting uh, about a week ago. So, so what does that mean for the game of golf that beginning next season there's probably not going to be any green reading books uh, allowed to be used by the players? Uh, that's bad news for the caddy because I mean the caddy's <laughs> got to do more, got to do more work. That's yeah, worse on the caddy than it is the player because the caddy's like, man, typically they have to go out and chart the greens anyway for their players. Mm. The greens reading book just allowed them to make their job easier. So now they got to go back, do a little more work. But I know it's I, I like it, you know, uh, because it's like like they banned the belly putting and things like that. There's some things in golf you have to be able to teach yourself to be able to do and master your ability to do it, you know, and they keep adding things to it that, that make it easier. And it's like, that's one of the skills that you have to learn and you have to be really good at to be successful. It's like, you got to learn how to read a green. It's like, why can't I buy a book that tells me pretty much what's going to happen? You know, it's like, that's a skill that you should learn to have to be able to do. No cliff notes allowed. Exactly. Shuey, uh, real quick, about 30 seconds, bud. Fit Friday, what's, uh, is, is that happening this Friday, or what's the next fitting? Yep, we, we have one planned for this Friday. So if anybody wants to come out, try some of the equipment that's out there, get fit uh, with some of the equipment, then just give us a holler, and uh, we'll set up a time, and, and they, they can come out and, Try some of the equipment that's out there and see if we can fit them up with something that makes them better. I think Scotty's got the, the beer real cold for you, too, when you get off the 18th. He definitely does that really well, so you can always count on Scotty having that ready. Mike Shue, Art Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, awesome to chat with you. We'll recap the uh, U.S. Open here next week. And, and stay cool, brother, and thanks for what you're doing for golf. All right, I appreciate it. You guys stay safe. There he is, Mike Schuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. And uh, that, that showdown tomorrow with them divot dogs going to be good. We'll wind down our one. Eric Warfield's on the way with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Find the podcast, Hale Varsity Radio, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, good, bad, or ugly, tell us what you think. Give us a review and uh, subscribe. It don't cost nothing. Reminder to buckle up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If properly used, seatbelts can reduce risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. I, you know, uh, the Derek, our weather guy, sounds like Mr. Garrison. Mm-hmm. What did he say the temp was here in Lincoln? 
like 101, I think. Something like that, yeah. Well, the silence has been broken. The interview with Barstool, Nick McKellar. You may know him as Sons in Four Guy. The guy who fought two dastardly Nuggets fans in Mile High, the city of, of Denver, Pepsi Center or whatever it's called now. Ball Arena. Thank you. Uh, and, and, and pummeled him. We all saw it on Twitter. It went viral, million views. This is the setup and what happened. So first and foremost, I am not a hockey player, believe it or not. Anyways... Yeah, so, you know, you know, I'm a diehard Suns fan living in Denver for the last 10 years, and I've been dreaming about a playoff matchup like this for quite some time. And so the fact that it came into fruition, I'm, like, ecstatic, right? Like, I'm trying to have the most fun I can at this game. I'm in Section 106. I'm right behind the home <clears> – <throat> excuse me, the way team, and I'm right next to the tunnel as well. So, like, when I got there, I was just trying to make friends with everybody. Like, I'm talking to the Nuggets fans. I'm talking to the Suns fan. Like, I'm just trying to make a positive atmosphere here. And so, you know, cut to the fourth quarter, there's three minutes remaining in the clock. Suns are up by like 15. And I see these two guys walking up the stairs and I'm in the midst of like just chirping at the crowd a little bit. You know, I'm saying lighthearted things like, hey, you know, have a safe drive home. See you next year. Bye. Wasn't trying to insult anybody. Right. So these guys are walking past me and obviously they didn't think it was funny. Meanwhile, the whole crowd that I made friends with initially, they're laughing. They're having a good time. I wasn't being annoying. So these guys are like, you know what? I'm, I'm not, I'm not taking this to, uh, I'm taking offense to this. I'm going to get in your face and talk shit. So homeboy with four watches came up to me, just started flaunting his clearly fake accessories. And so I had to tell him about it. Like he was talking, shit, I was talking shit, and I was like, you know, get the fuck out of my face. I don't want to, you know, get into a physical altercation with you. Just like go home. You're a joke. Four watches. Denver fan talking. Do we have time? All right, let's roll. Then he decides to pull out a wad of cash. Like, that's going to change my opinion on you. So um, it went from pulling out wads of cash to me turning my head because I'm just like, I'm just confused. Like, how do people conduct themselves in this way in public? It was just, it was, I was just shocked, you know? So, um, you know, you cut to me turning away, telling them to go away. My jersey's being tucked from the back and a beer is thrown on top of my head. And then, um, you know, the, the, the viral video cuts in and it's me, you know, instincts of self-defense kick in. I'm pushing them away, grabbing their jerseys, you know, get out of my face, go home. And then eager Edgar, you know, puts his money in his pocket and goes for a sloppy sucker punch. And, you know, I duck it. And once I got a hold of his jersey and his chain, like I didn't want to just control his chain because I knew I could break that off. But I just wanted to control the jersey and the chain. And uh, once I had that grip, I, I kind of just like had a little smirk on my face technique control jersey and chain once you control both breaking, of those you control the man you do and 75 punches later in eager edgar's getting a nose job eric warfield husker standout kansas city chief next welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmitz underscore radio call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmitz Back into it, hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some ball. 
And, of course, a great fundraiser and event coming up here, too. Eric Warfield, uh, Husker standout, Chief Patriot with us. Warfield, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. You know, the, 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 the heat wave is finally starting to come in, so I won't be swinging the club as much. <laughs> so I was going to say, how does Eric Warfield navigate incredible temperatures? I mean, you're down in Big D, but uh, you're coming back up here, and we've got that uh, triple-digit <laughs> welcome for you. Yeah, I saw that, and I was a little caught off guard. Like, man, this can't be Nebraska. Not 104 this time of the year. Man, that makes that off-season trade in a real commitment, right? <laughs> well, can find uh, Eric on Twitter at uh, EA Warfield 44. Now, Eric, uh, before we dive into some ball, you've got the, the Lighthouse event coming up here uh, next week. Give folks a heads up on, on the, the Lighthouse, your involvement, and what's going on. Man, I've been involved with the Lighthouse for the longest. I think ever since I retired. Uh, so I had been doing a basketball event where we play the, the Lincoln Police Department as a fundraiser. And then uh, I was I continued doing uh, 100 Kids for Christmas mm. shopping um, for the Lighthouse. And all majority of those kids came from the Lighthouse. Uh, so this has been kind of a... a, a a passion thing to where, um, you know, I've been doing this ever since uh, high school because my mom was had, had taken in some foster kids, so I've kind of uh, got a soft spot for, for trying to help those that are in unfortunate situations. And the Lighthouse is an after-school program right there in Lincoln, Nebraska, has been thriving for years to to help and inspire, motivate those, those, those young kids. Uh, a lot of inner city kids, but it's not all inner city kids. You get you get some some kids from uh, around the suburbs that come and uh, take part in it. Also, uh, so it's a, a very special program that kind of dear to me. Uh, uh, that we just you know help in any ways to to help raise money and, and awareness to what they're doing. So so important uh, after school, you know, direction and. Eric, kind of take us a little further, if you can, just like growing up and just kind of your family background with, you know, you talk about your mother and and uh, foster kids and, and wanting to help out and, and be a positive influence. You've obviously paid that forward with your career and then even post-career. Yeah. And so like in high school, well, not before high school, uh, my mom had gotten legal custody of uh one of my very best friends, mm-hmm. and after he came to stay, two others came about maybe a year after that. So she was raising her three kids as a single parent uh, along with three others. And I don't know how she did it, Chris, but she managed to, to get us all educated and out of the house. Um, and so by the time we all graduated, you know, she was kind of used to taking care of a uh, all that madness. Mm-hmm. So she started bringing in foster kids. And uh, throughout the years, you know, these, these kids would, uh, you know, contact me, write letters, uh, call, uh, and to see the things that I was doing at the time at Nebraska winning national championships. So they were definitely inspired uh, to want more out of life. So uh, she just got way deep into it to where, uh, it just became everything to her. Mm. And to, for me to see um, uh, the reactions that these kids gave my mom, the smile that, that they put on her face to see uh, how her caring, how her help, uh, you know, guidance uh, was pushing them to become uh, 
individuals that we never imagined because uh, a lot of these kids come from the streets. A lot of these kids come from uh, group homes. Um, so it, it was one to where uh, you see a lot of the growth within the kids, uh, but then you see that there's some that are, um, you know, no matter how much help you give them, uh, they just continue to go off that deep end. And you, you, even though, you know, you see those that aren't wanting the help, uh, that doesn't mean you give up on them. Mm. And so uh, that's one thing that she's always done. And throughout the year, she, she continues to keep in touch with all those kids. So uh, when I got to Kansas City, uh, you know, that's one thing that the, the Chiefs and a lot of other people want you to do is to try to start a foundation to, to help give back to the community. And so um, Tony Gonzalez was one that kind of got me started with the 100 kids because that was a thing that he did. And so I just continued doing it, uh, and especially when I got to Lincoln, it became such a hit uh, with the Lighthouse, and the kids loved it because I would bring out student-athletes from the University of Nebraska. So we have all the kids from the university uh, in every sport come out, and they would escort these kids through uh, Walmart as they did their shopping. Mm-hmm. So they, these kids would get to see these uh, student-athletes that came from basically the same places that they came from. Uh, and now they're uh, on full scholarships trying to, you know, become better individuals themselves. So it's, it's, it's a story within a story to where the kids shop with, you know, those kids that are going shopping. And um, they get to hear stories from those kids, and those kids also get to hear stories from those uh, student athletes. Well, and it's, it's kind of planting that that movement for success. And, uh, Eric, that's awesome, man, what you've been doing with the Lighthouse for so many years Thanks for what you're doing, and those kids, I'm sure, are super thankful, and and vice versa. I mean, you're you're thankful to be uh, be able to to be around kids like that, influence, and help them thrive and strive. Where can folks find out more if they want to donate to the lighthouse, donate to, to your foundation? Where where's a, a website, or do they? Is it Twitter? Is it uh, Facebook? I mean, where where can folks get more info on the event? Obviously, uh, the charity basketball game, but also. Uh, if they want to do something around the holidays. So the lighthouse is located there in Lincoln, Nebraska. I think it's 27th and N Street. Yep. Um, I don't uh, know the exact address, of mm-hmm. it, but I want to say 2701 N Street. Um, and uh, the website is the lighthouse, Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, they're on every outlet of social media as far as uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and, and uh, Instagram. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the Lighthouse Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, my foundation is, I don't have an actual foundation itself because I work so much with the Lighthouse. Sure. Gotcha. Uh, and so everything is, I don't have anybody give me any cash, they'll write any checks to me. Everything goes directly towards the Lighthouse. No, that's, that's a uh, headache I do not want to deal with. That's no worries, um, man. <laughs> so, yeah, everything's towards the Lighthouse. And, and uh, you can Google it, you can get on any social media outlet to, to find them. And usually during the holidays, when we do our events, I post. Uh, now, because of COVID in the last couple of years, I haven't done anything with the with the lighthouse, so we're getting back on track this year with the golf event to help raise money and get things rolling again. Well, that's awesome. Eric Warfield's with us, standout Husker, Chief, Patriot, and uh, his work with the lighthouse, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, when we talk about inspiration, Eric, you had a really cool moment yesterday that was released on social media and uh, that was uh, coach osborne your head coach and uh, to uh, 
uh, got in front of the team. This was released by Coach Frost and the Nebraska social media. Uh, words of motivation. Uh, Coach Osborne just he always has had a knack for a being right with uh, what's going to happen, like predicting the future, right? But also yes. being able to to motivate. And it was really cool um, with um, just, you know, are you putting the work in? Are you uh, able to to take that talent you have and, and excel? Uh, I don't know if you saw the video or not, but what, what was it like for you? And do you remember moments with, with Coach Osborne when he was able to ma- motivate you and, and or your team? So, you know, Coach Osborne came to, to my high school, uh, obviously, when, during recruiting time. And Chris, I didn't know he was coming that weekend. And he stepped in through the door of uh, basketball season. Now, he came during football season and watched me play a, a, a game. And I, I, I had gotten wind that he had showed that, that he was coming for that weekend. But when he came to the basketball game, I didn't know he was coming. And so when he walked in, uh, some of the older elders uh, knew who he was, and the whole place just lit up. Mm. And I didn't know. And I thought it was because I was playing – pretty good basketball. Thought it was I thought you? I was getting the crowd riled up. <laughs> That's <laughs> it was awesome. Coach Osborne that had stepped in the door. And um, so obviously he had made an impact uh, on the game of, of football already by this point. Mm-hmm. And everybody knew who he was. And uh, the thing that he brought to the game uh, as, as far as like motivation, uh, a, a guidance for a lot of us that didn't have uh, two parents at home. Uh, like I said, I was raised by a single parent, my mom. Uh, so just having someone like him to take the time out to get to know me as an individual outside of football uh, meant a lot to me because I didn't have a dad growing up. I had uncles and, uh, you know, male figures around that, that could give me little advice here and there, uh, but nothing like Coach Osborne. And so I wish that the kids nowadays knew exactly who he was. I wish he was, um, you know, able to be there weekly to talk to these kids so that they can see, you know, what he brings to the game of football and to their lives, uh, you know, as a coach and as a, as a, as a father figure for some of those that, that, that don't have it. So it was more so <clears throat> to where with Coach Osborne, it was like being, being around your grandparents. So your grandparents are the one person, the, the 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 group of people that you do not want to disappoint at any cost. You know, and you can go out and and, and get reprimanded by your mom, and, and you think it's okay. You know, she's just being silly, or your dad, and say the mm-hmm. same thing. But you never want to disappoint disappoint your grandparents, and they always try to give you that best advice. And that's kind of what what Coach Osborne, uh, what he kind of symbolized, because we knew what greatness he brought to the team as a coach because you saw it within every coach that was on the team. You saw it within the practice. You saw it within how he ran the organization. The guy never had a had, – he never yelled at anyone. He always had a specific point that he wanted to get across, and he got that across to you without yelling at you. Uh, he coached in a special way to where he inspired you. He, want, he, he brought the best out of you, even though you may not have been the best athlete uh, – on the team or in high school, he brought the best out of you when you got to that program. And I just, you know, for 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 how people compare the the best college football teams mm-hmm. to ever play, 
And they say that that 2001 Miami team had so many greats that played in the NFL and had tremendous careers, of which they did. Uh, I still don't see the comparison of them to us, to what we had. And we didn't have those high-caliber, big-name guys like they did. But that's what Coach Osborne brought out of these little young high school knuckleheads that he gathered from all across the USA. And we, you know, produced championships after championships because that's what we had that was running the help, that, that was running the ship of our team. And so he, yeah, he was able to do that. And and I, like I said, I just wish the kids nowadays because they weren't even born with the times we were winning. Mm. They weren't born in the time when Coach Osborne was doing this coaching. So I just wish that they had an opportunity to really hear and to really see with this man in action, you know, and it's great to that he can go in to the meeting and speak to them and give them a piece of his mind and, and, and to show what he's done and who he is. Uh, but I just wish that they could see the full realm of who he is. Eric Warfield's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. We're kind of recapping uh, Coach Osborne, uh, the video that came out on Twitter, uh, Words of Motivation, uh, you know, and uh, several points touched on with that four-minute video. And when it came to, to paying the price, I know you and your teammates did extra. Eric, you guys won. You had NFL talent. But when it comes down to it, why do you think you guys won so much? Is it because you had that talent or you had the attitude slash mindset or because you had the coaching? I think there's a, all of the above probably. I agree 100%. It's all of the above. And it's, it's just, a, 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 you know, is what the coaches and, and Coach Osborne brought to the, to the players. And so, yeah, it was, it was a toughness and an attitude. You know, our practices, and for us being as good as we were back then, majority of the season, the best competition that we got was at practice, having to go up against each other. And I'm not trying to, you know, knock any other uh, football team that we beat during those years mm-hmm. or that we played during those years to say that they weren't that good. But the 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 best, talent or the best, the hardest work that we got was in practice against each other for some of those games. And yeah, we had some great matchups with, with, with some teams. Um, you know, and I, like I said, to take nothing away from them. But the, the attitude that, that we had at practice that we wanted to be the best um, and that we had to prove that we were the best year after year because we thought, heck, every year we knew we had the best coach, we knew we had the best staff, and we thought we had the best team. So uh, after that, it was just going out and proving it. But that's what the University of Nebraska provided us. They provided everything that we needed to be the best, nutrition-wise, uh, the, in the weight room-wise, uh, classroom-wise. Uh, it, it was just up to us as kids to go out and perform then. It's Eric Warfield with us, Hale Varsity Radio. More with, uh, with uh, Warfield. Coming up here next segment, uh, we'll dive into some NFL with him. Also, uh, get his take on Tariq Johnson, uh, quarterback that has transferred in. Reminder about West Blue Realty. Is the time now to sell your home? Are you looking for a new home in a tough market? West Blue Realty there for you. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities. Give Tom Luby a shout at 402-540-3768 or Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly can help at 402-202-2312-1120 K Street, Suite 200, WestBlueRealty.com. 
And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Eric Warfield's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, touching on his time at Nebraska. Eric, want to look at uh, some some NFL thoughts uh, in just a second, but you're a college football fan. You watch. You make it back to Lincoln for a few games. What's your take here on on expansion here of the uh, the playoff going from four to twelve? Do you like it? Do you think eight is the better number? Do you like four? And if and when they expand, and it sounds like twenty twenty three. Uh, does that mean, listen, uh, Nebraska's got a, a shot. I know Nebraska's got a ways to go, but uh, they could make a jump here if things get on track to, to be knocking on that playoff door coming out of the Big Ten. What's your takeaway here with what tweaks are going on here postseason? So the thing that I've learned about sports, and not just to you know, use this the, the, the name of this movie uh, to pertain to NFL, but any given Sunday, which means any team has any has a chance to win on any given day. <laughs> sure. And I think that by expanding it, it gives every other every other team an opportunity. You know, just because you're voted uh, at this high ranking number at the end of the year with the top four teams and having that that fourth team playoff uh, go in with it's just like the NCAA. You know, you have some mm-hmm. uh, uh, what do they call those Cinderella teams to come out of nowhere. And I, and I love that, that idea of, of, of expansion. Uh, so much happens with football. You know, we complain because we think that it, it's not the same as what we knew growing up. Growing up, uh, You know, they're calling, you know, for targeting certain hits, uh, certain plays. We think it's an offensive game nowadays because it's so catered to the offense. But whatever they change with it, we still love the game of football no matter what. Uh, how they tweak it, what they want to call it. You know, if they throw uh, apples and oranges out there to, for us to toss it around, we're still going to love that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so adding and expanding uh, teams and, and, and playoff, I'm I'm for it. Uh, you know, heck, if I can make football year-round, I, I'd love to watch it year-round, but I understand what that does mm-hmm. to the body and the mind of individuals. So um, I'm all for it, Chris, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, if you want to add the extra extra playoff teams, I, I, like I said, let's do it and uh, give these other teams a, a chance to, to prove uh, that they're uh, willing to. I think that it, it will help a team like the UCF that you know that, mm-hmm. that were left out and that you know they went undefeated that year and thought that you know they they could have beaten. Uh, I think it was Alabama that that, that had a loss that year mm-hmm. and ended up winning it all. So it gives those teams a chance. Now, granted. Um, but we don't we don't know, <laughs> based on university size, uh, player wise, and, and whatever else that if, if if those teams are able to keep up. But you give them a chance and let them prove themselves. So, but uh, I, with the expansion, it, it does. Let's uh, talk Tyreek Johnson, uh, five star transfer from Ohio State, going to be in that Nebraska secondary. Eric, you know who wanted him. Uh, You know that Ohio State was pretty loaded in the secondary. And uh, you know that Coach Fisher's got a really nice defensive backfield where he cross-trains his guys' safety and corner. You know, what's this do for the Big Red in the secondary? Already a good secondary, we felt like, going into 2021. I like it. He has great size. Uh, You know, highly looked out and, and, you know, played with an Ohio team that, 
really, really good. And yeah, they have produced some really, really good uh, secondary guys. So, uh, you know, hopefully it can beef up the, our secondary and beef up our defense to where, uh, you know, we're more competitive on that defensive side. So, um, I, I like him. It's just a matter of what he can do once he gets there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it all looks good on paper so far. Uh, but when it comes down to it, it's, it's what can you do on, on, on Saturdays uh, for us as a team. So, um, but right as of now, um, I love the pick, you know, you know, the, the transfer. And, um, you know, hopefully we got uh, – I just – when it comes to secondary, I, I love the guys when they're, when they're big, tall, six mm-hmm. plus great but overall my thing is the front seven if the front seven can't produce any pressure you know you as a db aren't going to be what you're sought out to be that's very fair that's that's uh you know priority number one or 1a is to to get after the quarterback and a lot of guys back for that Nebraska Blackshirt defense. Eric Warfield's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Eric, uh, last thought here. We were talking about this uh, a while back, but I want to get into your NFL career. W- was it Randy Moss and then like everybody else when it came to just got the greats you, you had to defend? Who were some of the guys you, you defended that that you enjoyed defending, or maybe didn't enjoy defending? But man, that was a that was a cool experience to at least get to do it. We talked about, and this was a few weeks back, where you had a, an NFL pundit say maybe the best deep threat ever, the cheetah, uh, Tyreek Hill. Well, the world said no, it's it's Randy Moss, and yeah. I know you went against Randy quite a few times when he was in Oakland. Yeah. So I actually more than a few times. Uh, our training camp was in River Falls, Wisconsin, and okay. so this was, we were 30, 20, 20, 30 minutes from where the Vikings oh, had practiced okay. at, and so we practiced against them every year at training camp. So I got to see Randy a lot. Uh, the good thing about my career was that I played against a lot of those big name guys, uh, some a lot of Hall of Famers, and I played well. Now, my thing, Chris, was that I, I get up against some guys that weren't the, the biggest names, uh, weren't the standout all Pro Bowl players. Mm-hmm. And at times, you know, I play really well during the game, and all of a sudden I, they catch me sleeping because I never think it's going to come my way. And, and, <laughs> and I get caught with, the, you know, either some deep pass or, or, or touchdown. So, uh, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, when I went to, uh, up against a lot of the big name guys, you know, the – Terrell Owens, uh, Tory Holtz, uh, Isaac Bruce, and uh, Chad Ochocinco. Uh, you know, now granted, uh, the battles were a little intense and more when we went up against Marvin Harrison and, and um, uh, Reggie Wayne. Um, but I never really guarded Reggie Wayne. I was mostly on Marvin Harrison, and so yeah, I, I had some some tr- some troubles with the the little small guys. Uh, but other than that. I, I enjoyed my battles with uh, Ocho Cinco and, and Terrell Owens and, and Randy Moss, Tory Holt. Uh, those guys were, were they're, they're all pro bowlers. And uh, my, my challenges up against them, I, I, I balled out, you know. I, I don't think I gave up any touchdowns to either one of those guys. What was, uh, who was the, the biggest talker? And, and who did you have uh, probably the best relationship with? Like mutual respect. Mutual respect came with Rod Smith, you know, but he's from my hometown, same high school. 
Gotcha. So it, was, uh, it, was, it was a joy to go out there and play up against him because it was, I mean, it was competitive every play, but it was a, a friendly competition to where it's like, you know, Rod was Rod is good. I think Rod has Hall of Fame numbers, probably should be there one day. Uh, you know, I know he's in the Broncos um, Hall of Fame and Ring of Honor, but, uh, yeah, he definitely has uh, uh, Hall of Fame numbers to, to get him in. He's one of those unsung heroes. Mm-hmm. Eric Warfield's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Eric, uh, congrats on, on what you're doing with the Lighthouse. Thanks for talking some some T.O.s, some Huskers, and, of course, some NFL. And we'll get caught up uh, again soon. And always love your insight, man. Appreciate it, man. Good to hear from Eric Warfield. Uh, get caught up with him. We'll no doubt tap back into his expertise uh, with Nebraska football and the NFL as we get closer to kickoff. Big Red Blitz continues on. Norfolk, uh, the site uh, where you had Matt Davison talking. Also, Greg Austin spending some time, the run game coordinator and offensive line coach. And uh, uh, my dad and his family, all from Norfolk. So you got to make sure you pronounce it correctly, Norfolk. And uh, that's one thing that was covered uh, off the get-go. But... The, the thing about Nebraska's facility here, we talk arms race and facilities, and facilities at Clemson right now, like 130, 140,000 square feet. It's, it's massive. It's giant. Everything's under one umbrella. We've had Coach Kaczynski tell us because he's visited it before that it's just it's so convenient, right, where you can have everything housed, bang, right there, and it's it's efficiency as much as show and tell. Well, Davison was touching on just what Nebraska's new facility, and he helped spearhead this. He did a phenomenal job with it. 300,000 square feet. So Nebraska's will be the biggest, the baddest, the best uh, on the block once it gets done until the next one. Right now, like the envy of the Big Ten your your home football stadium's garbage, but man, your practice facility on Lake Michigan's pretty sweet if you're Northwestern. So that's where things are at right now. Uh, the plans for Nebraska, 300,000 square feet. Uh, that's the facility. That's coaches' offices. That's that four-station practice set up outdoors. And it's all linked. Of course, training, training center. And yeah, the... Um, the, the, the training table for, for all student-athletes. So, really cool. You've got the indoor facility. The Hawk Center's been up for, when was that done? Like 05, 04, 05? Uh, it was, go four. I was a, a young child, so I think 04. He was a young child. I, I think the uh, <laughs> the USC like college game day game in 2005 was like yeah, the, 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 the big that, show that party. Was, that was 06 in Lincoln. So, then they must have finished it in 05 then, yeah. 05, they, they hung with SC in 05 out there. Mm-hmm. 06, three fullback runs and 80 yards later to touchdown. So we're adopting Tennessee. We couldn't quite talk Babbers into it. He's still weighing his options for the College World Series next Monday, next Thursday. We're at Zipline in downtown Omaha, right across from TD Ameritrade. We were there last time. There was a College World Series. Love our friends at Zipline. Thank, uh, thanks to them for having us. This was pure gold, as they say, between Tennessee baseball and Peyton Manning. Hey, sorry, uh, let me grab this Zoom call real quick. Peyton, what's up, man? 
Coach, what's going on? Congratulations. Awesome win in the Supers. Really proud of you guys. This is exciting stuff. Thanks a ton. We're, we're, we're anxious to get up to... Uh... Omaha! Yeah, yeah, that's right. You guys are playing hard. <laughs> it's been fun to watch. Well, thank you. Yeah, the guys are doing what they need to do, and uh, the fans in the, in the stands have been rowdy. We're hoping they pack up their bags and uh, meet us up in... Uh... Omaha! Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's the place. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about Omaha! Okay, good. I'm just making sure. And so, Coach, when are you guys heading out? Uh, we'll load up the bus and jump on our flight tomorrow afternoon and, uh, you know, go on up to... Uh... Omaha! Yes, that's accurate. That is accurate. Okay. Well, look, Coach, like I said, great to talk to you. Best of luck. We're pulling hard for you guys. Tell the team we said good luck. Listen, if you need me, I'll be ready. I'll have my arm loose for you. And now... And now... Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Lincoln Orthopedic Center, Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, uh, there's no foreign substances uh, on your hands right now, are there? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about putting a little sunscreen on here up in the office and maybe help the, help the radio show talk today. But, well, you know, I'm kind of worried that maybe I've, get a little elbow injury with that or something. Well, I've got the rosin, so we can combine it. But this is, you've had uh, outrage and outcry about uh, spin rates and pitching dominating and how uh, how doctored the baseballs have been. Well, you have a, a UCL injury, and uh, you have a stud pitcher for Tampa, Tyler Glass now, He's blaming MLB and the crackdown on foreign substance for his UCL injury. Uh, He sounded off uh, earlier this week with a partially torn ulnar collateral ligament and flexor tendon strain. Of course, you have MLB's initiative to to do away with sunscreen and and spider tack. Obviously, it's never been legal, but uh, the the long and short of this here is you've had glass now really – gripping his pitches a certain way, right, when he's been able to have sunscreen. Now he's got to really, really intensify his grip to get his curveball going. And uh, after the last couple of starts, he heard a pop. Well, what do you make of this? Yeah, pretty interesting. Um, Obviously, uh, if you're changing your mechanics to throw the ball a little bit differently, to work on that spin rate, then that obviously puts a little bit more stress on the elbow and and that can cause injuries. Um, But basically admitting that you're not using the substance now, the the sunscreen and all of a sudden you're doing that tells you something right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But obviously, you know, changing the mechanics, something like that definitely can happen. Um, Although shifting the blame to the MLB is an interesting way to go with that. Uh, but essentially, if you look at this, just kind of talking anatomically about this, we've talked before on the Tommy John or UCL injuries, just to review that anatomically. So if you think about your elbow, you kind of feel along the inside part of your elbow, there's a little kind of bony prominence there, your funny bone. That's called the medial epicondyle. In that area is where that uh, ligament can attach. And uh, also in that area is where a must big muscular group called your flexor pronator attaches. And as you t- talk about his injury, so he's got a little small kind of parcel strain to the ligament that runs across that area, but also the big muscular group that attaches to that, the flexor muscle, flexor pronator. That's where his injury is located. Um, the flexor pronator side of things, definitely a more common injury that we see in baseball players. Uh, it's 
very, very high rate of that occurring when we do have players coming in with elbow pain, and that's the most common thing we see with elbow pain to the inside or medial side of the elbow. The uh, Tommy John or UCL injuries are, are, are you know, less common, although you hear about them all the time. They're still not that common of an injury. Um, obviously, since we're MRIing everything these days, especially at the major league level, they're seeing more of this kind of fluid and inflammation in these MRIs and calling partial you know, UCLA or UCL strains or Tommy John type injuries. And so in the past, there were probably a lot of these where patients have fluid or swelling around that ligament, but it not, wasn't ever you know, diagnosed in the past because they weren't MRIing everybody. So that seems to get kind of tossed in every time somebody has a pain to the inside of their elbow is that's a you know, partial sprain. So what does that mean? It's kind of a huge spectrum of those things. Um, but that's kind of a topic we were talking about and obviously an interesting way of shifting the blame of that injury under that Major League Baseball. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking about Tampa Bay righty uh, Tyler Glass now and uh, blaming MLB for the foreign substance crackdown. He's had to change his grip, and after doing so, a couple of starts, he's been sore and then heard a pop, and uh, he has that, uh, that, that UCL sprain. So I'm, I'm interested here just what, what extra pressure or grip or changing how you hold a ball, what it can do to the rest of your arm Dr. Brandon, just just from from Tyler's argument standpoint, is he wrong as far as having to, to switch up and having this recourse, this happen to his arm, this injury coming up? Yeah, you know, good question. Good question, Chris. Just on, on the on the grip side of things is, you know, how does that grip change, you know, lead to different forces or stresses elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pretty commonly that's, that's the case. And so depending on, you know, how you grip the baseball, depending on kind of the, the firmness, if you will, of how hard you grab the baseball, the position where your fingers are, that adds different tension or different pressures over different aspects of the shoulder, uh, or excuse me, over different aspects of the elbow shoulder as well. And so as you do that, as you change the pressure in those areas, change where those fingers are located. Sometimes you'll get maybe a little bit more kind of rotation one way or the other on your wrist, and then all of that force, of course, transfers through the elbow and even up into the shoulder. And those kinds of things, again, it's that change in mechanics that obviously can lead to these injuries. And so he's not wrong in the sense of if he's having to change his grip, then, yep, you can definitely end up in a situation where you have you know some type of extra stress in the area, the flexor pronator strain, the UCLA uh, UCL sprain they're talking about. That's quite common for that to occur. Um, you know, we do see it a lot when patients, or excuse me, when uh, pitchers are trying to change, you know, either A, a different pitch they're trying to throw, or if they're trying to come at it, you know, from a different angle. All those kind of things definitely can contribute to these kind of injuries and, and can lead to a significant injury, quite frankly, especially when you're throwing as hard as they do. Well, it, it's not a popular decision. Glass now is like, look, make these changes at the end of the season. We're, we're halfway through the season now. Uh, you don't want um, pitchers to have a competitive advantage over hitters, you know, because Lord knows the steroid era was <laughs> was lucrative when, when, when hitters had a, a decided advantage over, over pitchers, right? Unless pitchers right. got on the juice themselves. But the, the, the Rays vet says, look, I used to hold a ball like an egg, but since doing away with any grip enhancers, I've had to squeeze it much harder. And then there's your stress. He's 6'7". He throws 100. 
and uh, that that change has contributed. So I guess my question here, I got about a minute and a half left, Dr. Brandon. How long has he been using that that rosin sunscreen combo with with his pitching? And is he is it? I don't want to say it's made him the pitcher he is. Hurt? Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, fair assessment. And so, you know, do you? It brings up an interesting point of of Major League Baseball and owners. Pitchers have grown up, you know, using this quote unquote substance to you know, help their spin rates and their throwing, and they've gotten used to their mechanics doing this. How much do you enforce the rule? Mm-hmm. And now pitchers are having to change their mechanics to get back to that competitive edge, and then you start having a rash of these injuries come up, which. Yeah, that is an interesting point to bring up. Obviously, you're cheating, essentially, by using that um, versus protecting your investments of players. Do you just let this slide and let it continue? I mean, it's an interesting point for debate. Um, that'll be a big question because, obviously, you're going to start to see potentially a significant increase in injuries because they're not using the substance, and so now they're having to do things differently. And so, yeah, you really could see, to his point, <laughs> You really could see an explosion in injuries from pitchers trying to recreate some of that spin magic without having the extra, mm. extra sticky stuff on the fingers. Well, they're so, hoping uh, for an increase point. in offense uh, and, and average for sure. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Junk Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, great to get caught up again. Uh, we'll do this again soon. Thanks for your insight today. You bet, Chris. Thank you. You guys take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff today. Big thanks to Mike Badcock, Mike Shuhart, Eric Warfield, and Dr. Brendan Seifert, Lincoln Orthopedic. We're talking the... Uh, Scourge all over baseball. Spider tank. <laughs> Players having to adjust. And uh, we spent a lot of time on what's been going on. And that is the fact pitchers are having to adjust to uh, not using foreign substances. Tyler Glass now not happy. This is his rant. It has been edited for your listening pleasure. In the past, I my like substance of choice is sunscreen and rosin, like just nothing egregious, something to where I can get a grip on the ball. So it doesn't feel dusty, but two starts ago against the nationals, I went cold Turkey, nothing. And before that start, I remember when all this stuff came out, I was talking to people and talking to doctors and they were like, the thing that maybe MLB doesn't realize or that players don't realize is like, what, what is the injury? Like, what, what is the prevention of like, maybe it'll add to injuries. And in my mind, I was like, that sounds dumb. That sounds like an excuse a player would use to make sure he can use sticky stuff. But I threw to the Nationals with nothing. I've never been – I don't use sticky stuff. to. I don't use spider tack. I don't need more spin. I, I have huge hands. I spin the ball fine. I want grip. I did well against the Nationals, probably one of the best starts I had all year. I woke up the next day and was like, I am sore in places that I didn't even know I had muscles in. Like, I felt completely different. I switched my fastball grip and my curveball grip. I've thrown it the same way for however many years I played baseball. I had to change. I had to put my fastball deeper into my hand and grip it way harder. And I had to, instead of holding my curveball at the tip of my fingers, I had to dig it deeper into my hand. So I'm like choking the 
at all my pitches. My cue I used to use with Snyder was hold the ball like an egg, like nice and loose, be loose. That's out of the window. So I, I now have to develop a new cue. I have to develop something where I can't hold the ball light anymore. I have to dig it deep into my hand. So I'm taking it, and you have to think, I'm not a doctor. I know you guys probably know that. But I'm taking a, a fastball. I'm squeezing the ball twice as hard. So all of this is I'm recruiting all these muscles, and I'm taking my arm as hard as I can throwing the ball. So I'm going from, like, a flexed muscle to letting a ball go. And like I said, I was like, maybe it's not going to – I don't think it will lead to any injuries. But waking up after that start, I was like, okay, this sucks. Something is, is weird here. And then that same feeling was persisting all week long. And then I go into my start yesterday, and that same feeling just it pops or whatever the hell happened to my elbow. Like I feel it, something happens. Tyler Glass now, and I, I have no doubt that if you've been using um, a, a foreign substance of choice all along, and then all of a sudden you got to go cold turkey, guys are going to get hurt. And I don't disagree with him that listen, it 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 could be placed. There's been there's cheating that that happens all the time in baseball. I mean, that's part of baseball. It's always been part of baseball. It's like the scene in American Pie where the older brother passes down to the younger brother the the book of secrets. Right. Well, that has happened. I.e., when it comes to foreign substances in baseball, for years. So, the moral of this story is you uh, need to adapt. And Major League Baseball's making it happen I mean, before Monday. There's two ways this can go. Either pitchers can take some velocity off of their pitches uh, and try to prevent injuries, or maybe the MLB does some universal, okay, we'll add a little bit of grip to the balls as opposed to leather we've been doing for years. But I don't see that happening. No, and and I don't disagree with Glass now saying the to get the grip you want, not every baseball is the same. Back at you tomorrow, Brandon Vogel, Coach Barnett, and Danny Burke. Thanks.